Good evening, and welcome to Pine View Wednesday Night Bible Study. We're here at Pine View, where God is ruling in our hearts and in our lives. And my name is Anthony Meadows and my wife, Brenda Meadows. We're here to do a series this uh, year on the third Wednesday of every month called Transformation, Transformed by God, How to Get Closer to God in Our Spiritual Health. Before we get started, I'd like to have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your people and all those out there that will hear this message. Lord, we thank you for the word that you embedded deep down in our hearts. Lord, we thank you that our lips will speak what you say, not our opinions, but Lord, that we speak what thus saith the Lord. We thank you for all those that are hearing. We ask that you prepare the hearts and minds of those that are hearing this word, that it will go into their hearts, their hearts would be good soil, yes. and that it will produce multiple, multiple return of this word which you send out, because we know it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you sent it to do. Amen. We give you the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' in name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so we'll be speaking from uh, speaking about transformation tonight, and the scripture text is going to be found in Luke 11. So I'm going to read through the scripture text. Luke 15, starting at verse 11 through 24. All right, the scripture says, can we go to the next slide, please? Then said Jesus, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. Next slide. A few days later, the young, younger son gathered together everything that he had and traveled to a distant country and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. living. Next slide. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had. Oh, excuse me, that slide got in there twice. Next slide, please. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to do without and be in need. Next slide. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He would have gladly eaten the carob pods that the pigs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger and no one was giving anything to him. Next slide. But when he finally came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I'm dying here of hunger? Next slide. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired servants, hired men. Next slide, please. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Next slide, please. And this is our final slide. But the father said unto his servant, Quickly bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him and give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet 
and bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And let us invite everyone and feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was as good as dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they began to celebrate. Amen. Now, some of our object objectives will be, what is transformation? Why do I need transformation? What happens during transformation? And how to remain transformed? See, transformation in the definition, transformation is a dramatic change in form or appearance. An important event like getting your driver's license or going to college or getting married can cause a transformation in your life. A transformation is an extreme and radical change. Mm -hmm. And we also know that transformation can happen from illness and accidents and, you know, sudden changes in your life where you have to make a shift and adjust. But in this story, we're going to look at spiritual transformation. And we're going to look at that young man. A lot there you can look at this story and look at it from probably three different perspectives. One of the son that went away, one of the father, and one of the son that remained at home. There has been an exhaustive amount of uh, preaching and teaching on this particular parable. But let's Let's bring it home to us where we are right now. Are you comfortable with where you're at in your life and your relationship with God? Do you need a transformation? Do you need to change? And I, I don't want to say you, do I need to change? <laughs> because I have to be the first partaker of this. Because today as I was thinking about this, I thought... I was like, there is a constant transformation happening all the time. Because when you think about it, we're constantly being transformed, even within our bodies. We have hair and cells that are changing every single day, so we're transforming every day. And there's a transformation taking place in us every day. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the hair. <laughs> it transformed. It was here, hair today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> And the hair stopped growing on my head and started growing on my face. All right. Okay. The younger son. Let's look at his position. Here he is. And we take it as he's in a position of, of wealth or of comfort or security. But he wanted more. When you move by how you feel and what you see, it begins to cause an, an a desire to have more than uh, what you already have, even though you have enough. We know that's just part of the human side of us. Uh, a lot of times we're never satisfied. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. But where does that come from? We're being bombarded constantly with different advertisements, different uh, appeals. There'll, there'll probably be things popping up on ads popping up to say, if you want to lose weight, if you, wanna, if you want your hair to grow, if you want to see better, you know, things that would say they can make your life better. You're not, you don't have to be comfortable where you're at right at that time. But this particular young man, he wanted to go out, take what was coming to him that he already had possession of, mm -hmm. that, that was already in the house, and take it to a, a country so he can go and do what he wanted to do. And his father agreed to it. And a lot of times, we'll liken that father to God. And we'll ask God for things, and God will allow us to have things, and we'll say, whoa, what a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. Is a blessing something that puts you in debt? 
is a blessing something that causes your life to go into ruin? Not really. And a lot of times we get dissatisfied with God when we don't get the things we want because he says no. But God knows we're not able to handle those particular things. And this young man, he wanted all that was coming to him up front. So as his father gave it to him, that's why we actually call this the prodigal son. Because the Bible, when the Bible speaks of the prodigal son, it's talking about that son that wanted all that was coming to him. And then he would go out and spin it and then he would return with repentance. Next slide, please. And that's what this transformation, sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side. So let's go ahead and get into this and we'll just, um, we'll just exergy the text as we go through. So it says, Luke 15, 11 and 12, and he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, give me my portion of goods that's fallen to me, that belongs to me. And he divided unto them his living. So now, if we, when we look at this passage of scripture, the Bible says that he divided unto them. So he didn't just give the younger son his portion. He also gave the older son his portion as well. So in giving these sons their portion, does that mean that, you know, um, uh, they, that the remain of what their father has is not theirs? No. The, even the remain of what they have is, it, what their father has is still theirs. But sometimes just getting it up front might seem like the right thing to do at a particular time. But then, you know, you have to think in terms of, was this young man wise enough? Are we wise enough? Can we handle, can we really handle riches? You know, will we get prideful? Will we get puffed up? Will we, will we say, you know, um, uh, nobody is as rich as me. Will we become arrogant? Will we, be, we will we become prideful? Those are the kinds of things that we have to look at whenever, you know, wealth is given to us. Next slide, please. So I put some kind of funny slides in here. So the young man was actually greedy. He was greedy. And my, I think I coined this little phrase, greed breeds need. So anytime, anytime I've ever seen anybody greedy, they, they never, their needs are never quite fulfilled. So this young man, he just became greedy, and the more that he, the, the, the more that he had, the more that he spent, and then the more that he, we'll see later, that he became in need. Next slide, please. This is where it says the prodigal son is a person who spends money recklessly, ex extravagantly. He just spends, spends, spends. I don't care how much it costs. You know, you know, you, I, you know, sometimes I think about uh, the cost of a Lamborghini. You know, I, I, I don't even really know how much it costs, but I know it's in the millions. Right. And I'm thinking that car can actually do no more than a car can do, you know, but but it's but it costs more. Right. So, you know, and, and sometimes that is what we call that extravagant spending. So a person who leaves home and behaves rec recklessly. This young man, he just left home and he acted recklessly, but then we see what happened to the story at the end. Next slide, please. Luke 15 and 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and wasted his substance with riotous living, Have you ever hit a splurge? <laughs> Have you ever overspent, you know, credit, credit cards, you know, hey, satisfy that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. You know, I can get it right now right. and I'll pay for it later. You know, sometimes when you're younger, that minimum payment that they have on credit cards doesn't seem like, oh yeah, I can handle that. And you don't look at it that, you know, I got time to pay it off, but you don't understand that you're making somebody else wealthy and you're actually wind up paying maybe a hundred times more of the original cost of a thing by using that credit. So 
you know, he just went off and just splurged. And, you know, and we splurge today, you know. But society has us built to live in excess. Uh, as, as we were studying this, I think I look at the influence behind the scenes of why we act this way. Because behind the scenes, somebody's telling us, you're not good enough. If you have this, you will be better. Where is that voice coming from? That, that voice that says, well, if I have $50,000 and I bet on this and I can turn that 50 into a million, you know, all kind of schemes and things that we go for trying to get more. And the problem is, there's a scripture and Paul says we shouldn't compare ourselves amongst ourselves. I know this is in a different context, but in the world, we're always looking at what somebody else has. You know, somebody else has a nice car, a nice home, nice clothes. Uh, they look like they have it going on, but you don't know the cost that they pay for those things. So the motivation behind that that splurge is looking at something else and feeling inferior about myself because I don't have what I see somebody else have, but I don't know what that person went through to get what they have. Amen. You know, let's, let's bring it into the church. All right. So we've gone from greed to splurge. Next slide, please. So now in the story, we, he, we went from him being greedy to him splurging, to now he's destitute. The scripture says in Luke 15, 14 and 15, and when he has spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he sent him into a field to feed swine. So now we see that first there was greed, then there was splurging, and now it's like, what have I done? What have I done? I'm out here. I don't have what I need. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm cold. Destitute is one of those things to where, you know, you have no help. You feel like you're out there by yourself. You just have no help. But God wants us to know that he's there and he's available. When we have God in our lives, to bring this into the church, when we have God in our lives, then we are cognizant of the fact that um, um, when we're greedy that, you know, that's not a good thing. We, we're cognizant of that fact. We, we're even cognizant of the fact that Christmas just passed and some of us Christians, you know, I, I am so well aware of so many Christians that wait until after the holiday to go shopping because that's when the sales happen. You know, I mean, because to be honest, you know, really do we need any more stuff? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do we need any more stuff? You go into any of our houses, they are busting at the seams because we have so much stuff. You know, so 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 that's not that's not what what we need. But the thing of it is, is that you know we we desire things, and the the thing of it is, is God wants us to have things. He wants us to have things. But the thing we have to be mindful of is just to be cognizant of that fact that you stay within the means that you can afford. Don't try to, don't, don't worry about the grass being greener on the other side. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses or anything like that. Just stay within your means. My husband spoke about credit card debt. That credit card debt, most of the time, well, if you, if you have bad credit, then most of the time it's 29.99% onto the money that you're paying. And then, you know, I mean, even when you have good credit, you know, I still wouldn't advise, you know, doing a lot of debt shopping, you know, if you use a credit card, as far as I'm concerned, pay it off in 30 days. You know what I'm saying? So that's just my little spill on finances. But we'll get back to the lesson. So destitute. So our net, you want to say something? Okay. Yeah. You know, we're talking to people that that are watch this that don't know us and don't know our story or don't know my story. But let's let me take you back. About 30 years ago, 
You see the picture of that man? I don't know how it's showing up real good. Where he's, please help. Mm -hmm. That was me. Mm -hmm. It was more than 30 years ago, but it was, it, was, <laughs> it, it was a long time ago. That was me. I went from Park Avenue to Park Bench. Mm -hmm. I lost everything. This parable about the prodigal son, you know, is really personal for me because I've lived this. Literally worked in a job where they slaughtered pigs, where they brought them off the truck, and I'm right there with that smell and watched the whole process of that pig, those pigs being slaughtered and going into the freezer to be food for somebody else. And that was, may have seemed to some people a low point and people that knew me at that time when I was a younger man say, oh, he was an engineer and you know, he had a, a good position and now he's working at a meat packing factory. But that was the best time in life too. Because when you knock down, the only way you can look is up. Mm -hmm. And even though I was in that job with pigs and the smell and not making nowhere near the money that I made before, I praise God. I had a song in my heart because I knew I had a change. There was a change coming in my life. Now let's move that story back a little further. Like that prodigal son, I lost all that I had because of choices that I made. The lifestyle that I was living, it wasn't a godly lifestyle. And I, when I, when I, when I look at that, if you ever sat in an emergency room just so you can have a warm place to sleep. I've been through that. I know what that's like. And as we go through these lessons, I'm going to share with you how God brought me out of that situation. It was a spiritual transformation. And that's what this lesson is about. As it goes further, I think maybe the next slide. Wait, it says, yeah, next slide. Mm -hmm. Next slide, please. You see the guy down there eating with the pigs. I don't know if it's showing up real good on the picture. But I remember going in the grocery store with a cart, filling it up with food with no money. And, you know, just eating as I was going through the grocery store. And then pulling up to, pulling up to the checkout register and say, oh, I don't have any money, you know. So you, you become resourceful when you're out there in the world like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But God. Next slide, please. All right. So then after he, after he was in the pig pen and he was eating with the pigs, Brandon, can you? Oh, no, stay there on that slide for a second, please. After he was in the pig pen and he was eating there with the pigs, if you look at that word fain, that word means that he was even happy to be there eating that. He was content because once your mind is flipped like that and you go from you go from knowing you have everything but at the same time not recognizing you have everything and then going from greed to splurging to destitute then he he's there waddling with the pigs and he's satisfied with eating the husk from the corn. All right, let's go to the next slide, please. But then Luke 15 and 17 says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. So this is like an awakening. After he's, after he's, after we've, after he has experienced the greed, after he's experienced the splurging, after he's experienced the destitute, 
now he comes to himself and there's an awakening happening. When we're awakened by Christ, new things begin to happen and, and new growth and things happen within us and there's a transformation that starts to take place. That transformation is when we turn from the way that we're going and we turn toward God, which is the next slide, please. Repentance. You know, some people think that's a, what we call a church word, a churchy word. <coughs> Excuse me. Repentance. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Repentance requires an action. Yes. Repentance is not, well, I'm just sorry that I did something. Repentance is a response. It's a change of direction. And you see in this, and he, he said, I will arise and go. You just can't give mental assent to, to say, well, okay, I was wrong, I'm sorry. You know, you got it in your mind, but then your actions don't change. Right. I can remember there is a release when you re truly repent. There is a release of that burden when you decide to turn away from what you were doing and turn towards God. Mm -hmm. As we were sharing that scripture, if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. So, but there had to been something to believe in other than myself to get me out of the situation that I was in. Because I came to believe that God could, could restore me. I had faith in that, that God could restore me. Now, now I'm talking about me because I'm going back to my testimony. My repentance was when I turned and I said, God, whatever you say for me to do, that's what I'll do. Because my best thinking has me in the pig pen. My best thinking has me homeless. My best thinking has me broke. I'm going to put down my ways and I'm going to follow your ways. Because all you want to do is bless me and take care of me. And all I have to do is trust you. Mm -hmm. And I, I thank God that I was taught this as a child. Did I live it? No. But there was something, there was a glimmer of hope from the word of God that was sown into my heart as a young child that I knew when you get in trouble, you pray. Mm -hmm. You turn to God. And this will, work, this will work for anybody out there. I don't care how long you've been in church or how, uh, if you, we used to say the most important person is a person just coming through the doors. We all stand with a God that does not have any respect of the man standing up here on the pulpit or the man just coming in the back and sitting on the back row with his arms crossed. Like, what is this all about? We all need God. We all need Amen. Jesus. Amen. And turning to God is a first step towards a transformation. But you have to have something to believe. Mm -hmm. Remember I said, Lord, whatever you say to do, that's what I'll do. And how do you find out what God wants you to do? Through the word of God. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, we, as we were taught, the will of God is his word. Mm -hmm. But that word has to be rightly divided. And that's another lesson which I'm not going to go into right now. Right. Go ahead. All right. Next slide, please. So as we, after we repent, then, and we ask God to uh, forgive us of our sins and to come into our lives, then, you know, we see that transformation starts to happen. And Luke 15 and 19 says, and I and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So remember when he went out, he went out in full pride. In full pride, right? He went out, he had his money, 
you know, hey, I got this, I'm, I, I can do this, you know, I'm on my own. But then when he comes back, he says, you know, I don't even have to be called your son. You know, just accept me back. So that's a state of humility. And, and this is a state that I would suggest that we remain in. This state should never leave us. If we, because I, I say, well, the Bible tells us he that humbles himself will be exalted. The Bible says that. So if we recognize that, then we want, that's something that we really want to remain is humble before the Lord. And that humility, humility will elevate you. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing in humility, you're surrendering your will to God's will. He said, he that would humble himself would be exalted, right? Mm -hmm. God resisteth the proud. And give grace. And give grace to the humble. To the humble. And, you know, when he, when he came to God, he said, I'm not worthy. And a lot of us take that approach to God. To God, I'm not worthy. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? By our natural stance, none of us really, none of us are worthy. There was only one that was worthy. And because that one, Jesus Christ, that one that we believe in, mm -hmm. because what he's done, his finished works, mm -hmm. makes us worthy. Right. We're, we're, and it's another lesson, we're born in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it makes us worthy to be called the sons of God. Because of what Jesus did. But he said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Not on your own, you know, on your own. But I'm talking to that person that's sitting out there that I happen to watch this, you know. And you're feeling like, well, you know, I'm not worthy for God to do anything. You don't know what I did, man. What you talking about? Yeah, you don't know what I've done. God, God, God has grace for everybody. Amen. 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 Next slide, please. So, the transformation of being welcomed home. Luke 15 and 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and, read, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So, you know, as I was thinking about this passage of scripture, you know, I, I, I've, I've ministered over the years and I found out sometimes that Families fall out, okay? We, I mean, as long as we have teeth and tongue, we're going to fall out. So, but I thought about this passage of scripture. You know, his son saw him, his son saw him a, a great way off, but the father ran to him. You know what this said to me? This said to me that as parents, when our children fall out with us, don't leave it. Don't allow that room and that air to just go and to, to just be there. But go to your child. Be the greater, be, be the bigger person and go to your child and just make that restoration happen because it's so necessary in life. You know, because, you know, we can, some families have had fallings out and they just, they have never mended that relationship. And that is, that's never okay. So when, and, and then I thought about this uh, same passage of scripture, it says up above in, in the same passage of scripture in the beginning, it said that the, how many of, how many um, would a shepherd, how many sheep would a shepherd leave out? Would he leave the one and, would he leave the 99 and go for the one? And it also said that he would bring him and put him on his shoulder. And then it reminded us that in the same passage, Jesus wants to do that for us. He wants to make sure that he comes and, and, and rescues us and put us on his shoulder and let us know that no matter how rough life is or how tough things are going, I am here for you and I am here to rescue you. So this was just that welcome home that it was, it's, it's so beautiful to me. So how do we transform? In Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed, everybody say conformed, conformed. to this world, but be ye transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you would prove what is a good and acceptable perfect will of God. Mm. And it says, be not conformed to this world. Now, if, if I just go up to that first one, it says, present your body a living sacrifice. Well, I'm going to sacrifice the way that I feel about things, my thinking, to the way God wants me to think, mm -hmm. to the way God wants me to react. And it says, holy and acceptable. And I want to let you know, holy means set apart for God. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the way you dress. Uh, you know, with, with uh, you know, a lot of things that we call holiness. Holiness is separated for God. Amen. Which is your reasonable service. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he said, don't conform to this world. What does that mean? Well, we know there's a lot of things out there in the world that are opposite to the word of God. And it's probably the thing that would have us in the position of the prodigal son. Righteous living, degreed, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But be transformed by renewing your mind. Before you do anything, there's a thought process that mm -hmm. goes into place, right? Right. So, sow a thought. Reap an action. Reap an action. <laughs> Come on. Reap an action. Mm. So, sow a character. Sow a character? Uh, uh, yes, sow a character. Sow a character? Reap a destiny. Okay. So where does a thought come from? See, that's, that's the thing that I look at. Everything we see, hear, and believe have effect on our thinking. What you put before your eyes will affect your thinking. If you're watching uh, the news all the time, it will affect your thinking. Mm -hmm. if, if you look at, they talk about, it's going to snow, it's going to snow, the blizzard is coming, the blizzard is coming. It affects your thinking. And therefore, as, your, as, the way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. So that creates a panic, you know. That creates, oh, we got to go out and get salt. We got to go out and grab all the food off the shelves. And you know what we just went through with the pandemic, the things that were, that we focus on, they affect our thinking. So you have to guard your eyes and your ears. It's called the eye gates, the ear gates. Because what you allow to come into your mind will have you have in your thoughts and you you know if somebody wanted to kill somebody they thought about it before they did it. Mm -hmm. just plain and simple they put some thought into it mm -hmm. so any action that you do it came from a thought but i always say let's go back a little further and let's look at what put the motivation into that thought what did you put your eyes on what did you put your ears on i'll make a plain example i like sports right so if you watch a lot of uh, ESPN and things like that, they talk about uh, that the commercials that come on are always about fast food, drinking, and, you know, just gambling and all this other stuff. So you're constantly being bombarded with more of that than actual substance of sports because the advertiser was paying the bill. So you're wondering, well, why do I want to have it my way? You know... Why does it take two hands to handle a whopper? You know, you know, you have all these subliminal messages coming in your mind. And next thing you know, you're eating fast food. Mm -hmm. And fast food is, is made to want you to eat more of it. And to eat more of it causes you to gain weight. Then to gain weight, then you see another commercial. Well, you take this pill and you can lose these pounds. They're really doing it right now at the beginning of the year. All these diets and all these thoughts. And you look in the mirror. Oh, I lost, you know, you see the commercial, I lost 50 pounds in, you know, 
two months or, you know, something like that. And people look at themselves and become dissatisfied. And then because of their dissatisfied, they wind up taking that out on somebody else. What was a what but what 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 originated that particular thought? Mm -hmm. What what originated that action? Mm -hmm. It was what they put before their eyes. Mm -hmm. What they seen somebody else do, what they compared themselves to, what how they allowed themselves to become inferior in their own mind. So now these thoughts are here and now their actions, that's what they're sowing. And so this slide says transformation, welcome home. So the thought, the thoughts as he was speaking about uh, was for the father to prepare a feast. Next slide, please. Luke 5.22, he he's becoming restored. It says, but the father said to his servant, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet. When we are restored, we're restored rightfully. Full ownership, full honor, full, full rights. There is nothing that God leaves out. He makes sure that um, just uh, somebody that just comes, comes in for salvation or somebody that just returned to salvation, they have every right that somebody has been in the ministry for 40 years to. No, there are no big I's and little U's in Christianity. Everybody is at the same level. Now, now same level with Christ. Is, does that mean that everyone's learning level is the same? No, no, because we, can ex we, we hope and pray that a 40-year-old 40 40 Christian doesn't act like a babe Christian, you know, but we're talking about being restored. And next slide, please. So the robe, it represents honor and dignity. And his father wanted to give him back his honor. His father wanted to give him back his dignity. Because, you know, when you've been out there and, you know, he come and he meet his father and he's dirty and he's destitute and, and he smelly or whatever, his father said, get the best robe. Get the best robe. We want the best for him. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want just anything, but we want the best robe. And then uh, the ring represents authority and full reinstatement as a son. That ring is a signet of the king. It is to say that, yes, you are right back where you, right back in the spot when you left, which is amazing to me that God would see us that way, but that's how he sees us. You, you know, we, so we, because when, when a, when, when a person leaves God, they walk away from God. God never walks away from them. The Bible says that God is married to the backslider. So, and then the final, the final thing that his father asks for is shoes. The shoes represented freedom, represented that you, you, you don't have to be bound by what you see here. All of this belongs to you. And, and God wants us to know that we don't, we don't have to be bound by what we see here on earth. This year, we're talking about the kingdom. We want to make sure that we as Christians bring the kingdom to earth. Because it is our responsibility to bring the kingdom to earth. And the Bible says, as it, is on, as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth as well. So, so we know that in heaven it says that the streets are paved with gold. So, so <laughs> let it be, in, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and the way, the way for us to, to, to gain all of this is just to have a constant relationship with Christ to make sure that we stay in right standing with God. Whenever we, every day is a day, is a new day, and every day is a day of repentance. Yes. Every day is a day of re repentance. We, there should not be a day that we don't repent. And then when we repent, we make sure we get it right with God. And then, then we thank God for being in that place of restoration. Next slide, please. And the last slide said, <laughs> I wrote this up here. You still love me? 
After all I've done, you still love me. God, you still love me. You still love me. Yes. He is so, God is so amazing. You know, we take him for granted sometimes. And he still loves us. He just still loves us. Luke 15, 23 says, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. So the thought of his father, his father didn't even think about that money he had given his son. All he said was, bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the shoes, kill the fatted calf, let's have a party. My son, who was once dead, is now home. Next slide, please. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. To be spiritually dead. You, we, we can look at this a couple different ways. But to be out of relationship with God without that connecting force of life is death. Jesus came that we might have life that we might have it more abundantly. The thief came to steal, to kill, and destroy. When I, when I look at this, the son didn't do anything to deserve what he got. He just made a decision to turn away from his sin and to turn towards God. Amen. God, God loves us so much that he will resurrect that dead man in us mm -hmm. and give us a new life. Amen. And when we're buried with him in baptism, we arise in the newness of life. Mm -hmm. So as we go through these lessons, we'll be more, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of meat in this particular lesson. But I would suggest to anybody, if you can relate to this story, if you see yourself in this story, make a quality decision to turn towards God. With a sincere heart, asking, Lord, what would you have me to do? <laughs> you know, a lot of times we think prayer is a lot of listening and talking and doing some spiritual calisthenics, but it's a communion and a walk with God. Amen. We want to walk with you. Mm -hmm. Prayer is a breathing. It's, it's an actual breathing. And the good thing about God, he will teach us how to pray. He will actually aid us in our prayers mm -hmm. when we don't know what to pray. Right. If anybody out there is listening and you haven't given your heart to God, mm -hmm. you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, I would say take this opportunity to do it right now. You know, you've heard people say this thing called, what they call a sinner's prayer. But I, I, I say, just turn your will over to God and talk to him as you understand mm -hmm. and say, Lord, I need you. Help me, Lord. Right. Get to a Bible teaching church. Pineview is always open on Sunday mornings at 1035. Amen. We have Bible class on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. We have prayer on Monday at four o'clock. Help me out. Say that again. Some guys in a Bible on Tuesday. Next. You don't know? <laughs> when you have a place for your children? Men and women's prayer on men's prayer on the first and second. Third is men. Third is family. Come to a come come connect yourself to a people that'll love you and help you in your walk towards God. Amen. Pine View Church is a place where 
we're not your traditional church. We have we're, we're people multicultural, multi generational, uh, and people may be dressed differently. We don't judge one another. We just love one another. Amen. Amen. Love casts out all fear. Amen. And if you're sitting watching this and you're in fear right now, fear comes from not knowing. Mm -hmm. The answer is in the word of God. Amen. You can know. You don't have to be afraid. Mm -hmm. Whatever your situation is. And then one more thing, God will partner with you. He will put his spirit on the inside of you Amen. to help you in this walk. Amen. The main reason for my transformation, somebody read a tract to me, gave me a tract. It was Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And this tract, oh, y'all might not know what I'm talking about. Okay, a tract is a little comic strip. Uh, back in the 70s, they were real popular. And that's the way somebody would hand you a track. And in this track, it said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins, and you, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So I had that track, and I looked at it, and I said, Okay, I want to do this. So I even went home. And tried to baptize myself in my bathtub. In the name of Jesus. You know, trying, because I figured that the work, God's will is his word. So I'm going to do what his word said to do. Right, right, right. But I, I made it to a church and I uh, asked him, do you guys baptize in Jesus' name? And, 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 re and you receive the Holy Ghost? Because I've heard some things about, you know, the Holy Ghost when I was out there in the street. And they said, yeah, we do. So there was a church service and I just, come on, when you going to ask me to come up? <laughs> Back then they used to ask you to come up. So I, I came up and then uh, I received the Holy Spirit and got baptized that same day. And, you know, you know, we thank God for that. And that was God working with me. So I can't take any credit for where I am today, for what God has done in my life, bless me with this wonderful woman of God right here. Oh, bless and, God. <laughs> and, and, you know, her and the Holy Ghost still working on me. So the final thing that I'd like to say is transformation, walk with God. So now, as a babe, you might say, well, I don't know how to walk with God. You do know how to show love. You always know how to show love. You were taught from a child as what was right and wrong. You see somebody in need, share what you have, and just walk in love. As you do this, God will transform your life. So we thank you for joining us. We are excited that you are here and online. We will be here every Wednesday, every, every third, third Wednesday of the month, and um, we'll get transformed together. God bless you. Amen. Amen.